Alrighty, 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 guys. So, well, let's get into it this morning, if we will. We're going to finish up, I hope, with uh, Philippians chapter 2. We're going to look in verses 12 through 16. Uh, so we're going to start today, and if I, um, I'm not mistaken, let's double check my notes here real quick, uh, we should finish up with the passages this morning. And uh, so let's look in verse, uh, well, let's read the text verses. Philippians chapter 2 is where we'll begin, verse 12, verse 12, I'll read down to verse 16. And uh, we've looked already, I believe, and uh, up to verse 15, we'll get into that here in just a moment. The Bible says in verse 12, it says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have also always uh, obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more um, in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmuring and disputing, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world." Holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity again to be here this morning. I do pray that you bless the teaching and preaching of thy word in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we, uh, we've already looked, guys, uh, verses 12 through 14, we concluded last week. We looked at, uh, we tied together John 7, 12 and Acts 6, 1. Um, with 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 the murmurings that we see in verse 14. And I want to get in verse 15 here real quick this morning. Uh, verse 15. And uh, we'll reread it real quick. It says that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as light in the world. So the goal for us, again, we're all tying this together to remember uh, if we go back into chapter 2 in the front end of it, where uh, number one, we see in, in Paul saying in verse 2, fulfill you my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Uh, that's where peace comes from. That's where peace comes from. And verse 3 says, let nothing be done through strife or, or vain glory. And verse 5 says, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. So as we fast forward back to verse 15, and we see here that it says that ye, that means y'all, that means everyone, it's a child of God, born again believers, that ye may be blameless and harmless. So the goal is for us to have enough unity within ourselves so a Christ-rejecting community will have no charge, no viable accusation to bring against the church. Again, go back to verse 3. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. So, so guys, in this particular verse, the address is specifically referencing internal strife of the local church. Again, using the, uh, using the built-in commentary of the Scriptures, we, we see uh, verses such as 1 Peter chapter 2, and verse 12, whereas the Bible says, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may, be, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. What Paul is telling us in Philippians 2, guys, is that a Christ-rejecting, paganistic world 
a world that hates God and everyone and anyone that's associated with it would have nothing to say evil, even though they want to make it up. Our good works, as Peter ties into this, they will behold and they will glorify God in the day of visitation. Paul tells us to be blameless and harmless, the sons of God. 2 Peter chapter 3, and verse 14 says, Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace, without spot, and blameless. Deuteronomy 32, 5. They have corrupted themselves. Their spot is not, their, uh, not the spot of his children. They are a perverse and crooked generation. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 16, rejoice evermore. Rejoice evermore. So when we stop and we look and we think about what Paul's telling us in verse 15, we are in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. That's not just referring to, say, wells. That is the world in which we live in today. That's the, I mean, you, you can turn the news on for literally three minutes and find out how perverse. My goodness, you can look at the adverts, a 26-second uh, spot for Cadbury or for Lloyd's Bank or for uh, Citron. And you can find out how perverse our world is today. I said this in the, the, the Bible college lesson earlier. God didn't wake up this morning and go, what in the world did I do in sticking them down there in 2023? Like he didn't know we was going to live in a time where it's a perverse generation in a crooked nation in the world. That we, he knew when we were going to be alive. He knew when you were going to be alive. So if you choose not to be blameless and you choose not to be harmless, you're doing that yourself, not God. I want to take a little bit of liberty here, if you don't mind. Verse 2 says, fulfill you my joy. Go back to verse 2 as we build upon verse 15, then we'll get into verse 16 in just a moment. Fulfill ye my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. That's peace. Now, guys, I, I, I'm gonna, I want to tell you this right here. We hear, quite a, we, we hear a lot about the moving and the working of the Holy Spirit of God amongst Christian people, brothers and sisters in Christ, and I mean of all walks of whatever Christian faith you want to call, okay? And I mean really people, true people who are saved and born again. You hear a lot about the moving and the, and the association of the Holy Spirit of God. We especially hear the movement of the Holy Spirit of God and the work of the Holy Spirit of God in our circles, you know, independent Bible-believing Baptists that we are. But can I tell you something right here? About, and and I'm, I'm working on a lesson for probably for March on the Holy Spirit, on the Comforter that He is to us today. As Jesus Christ said, John 14, that He had to go. It was meet for Him to go. John 15 reveals that working of the, the mighty Comforter as well. You know something that I've noticed and I heard, I, I, heard, um, I heard some guy, I don't know who he was, I'm not going to call names, I can't even think of his name, number one, number two, I'm not even going to call, uh, he's part of the, well he ain't my circle, but he's part of a, a larger circle that we know of. And uh, he started making fun of people and mocking them out who used the phrase, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman and he's not going to force himself on you. And he went on this little, you know, tangent and, you know, he browbeat everybody and jumped on every sin and, you know, bless God, showing ankles and all that, you know, ridiculous nonsense that men say just to get some person in the back to say amen. But let me tell you something. Do you know where the Holy Spirit of God is not going to dwell? 
He's dwelling in chaos. He's not going to be involved in a chaotic life. The Bible tells us to grieve not the Holy Spirit, whereby you're sealed until the day of redemption. You know what grieve means? It means to willfully cause pain, to mourn, to suffer. If your life today does not have joy inside of it, if you don't have peace in your life, if you don't have some form of happiness in your life, if you're living in misery, complaining and murmuring, number one, there's a dissection in your life from where the Holy Spirit of God wants you. Number two, you're not esteeming brothers, uh, your brethren better than, than yourself. Number three, you are not, you're not doing what Paul said about fulfilling his joy, being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord. If you have chaos in your life, the Holy Spirit of God is over here. It hasn't that he's forsaken you. He's still inside of you. But you got him stuck in a closet somewhere, and that's why peace is not in your life. That's why you're miserable. If you want to rejoice evermore, spend some time with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Quit dipping in and out with the Holy Spirit. Quit going to visit him, then come back over here, back to yourself, whining and moaning and crying and, and all this and that. Paul said rejoice evermore. My soul, man, to our knowledge, the first letter he writes is 1 Thessalonians, okay? Now, I know there's some argument. I, I believe Paul wrote Hebrews, and if that be the case, that's his first letter. Anyway, if he writes 1 Thessalonians as his first letter, he writes back unto these, these, these Christians of where they, they saw the turmoil he dealt with. And he says, Re rejoice evermore. That's a short little verse. If you can't memorize that verse, man, I can't help you. He tells us to rejoice. And so, guys, here's what, and I, I think we all know this by personal experience, and I, I can personally tell you. I know I get frustrated, and I know I get irritated, and I know when, I, when those frustrations and irritations that come into my life, number one, they're 100% carnal. Number two, the Holy Spirit of God is not involved. Amen? There's a dissection from unity. Paul is telling us here that we need to be blameless, but not only blameless, harmless. Can somebody tell me, just real quick, like in a hurry, what animal is considered harmless? Go ahead, say it. Did you say a possum? They're hideous. What animal? I purposely said animal other than the type of animal. Think about it. Be a little more biblical rather than redneck. What'd you say? Thank you. A dove. But harmless, wise as serpents, harmless as doves. Now, when the Lord Jesus Christ was baptized by John the Baptist in the River Jordan, and the Holy Spirit of God descended on him like a dove. Noah used dove, did he not? Noah sent that good-for-nothing, sorry old raven, and he never returned. Ravens are devils. 
Noah sent that, that dove out there, and that dove came back because he couldn't find any place to land for his feet. He sent that dove out again, and the dove came back, right? What did he have in his hand? He had an olive branch. What's a symbol of universal peace in this world today? I'm extending an olive branch. Well, I'm here to tell you, if you want to have peace in your life, you're going to have to remove the chaos. Because the Holy Spirit of God is not working and involved in chaos. We, we, good night, we taught six, seven months on Psalm 23, and one of those verses we got in there, he leadeth me beside what? Still waters. Understand that to not today. So Paul is telling us, guys, here in verse uh, 15, he says that you may be blameless and harmless, these sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in a world. We spoke about perverse nations before and how we are to shine as lights in the midst of this world. Not, not as Israel, but guys, as the local New Testament church, we are to shine as a light in this world today. But the only way we're going to be able to do that is if we rejoice evermore, if we are led, guided, and directed by the Holy Spirit of God, and if we're blameless and we're harmless without rebuke, that even though the world wants to be able to rebuke us, they'll see our good works, our life that we're living for the Lord Jesus Christ. How do we do that? Verse 16. Verse 16, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. So we do this, we rejoice evermore, uh, we have a like-minded one with another, we have peace in our life, we remove the chaos, we're led by the Holy Spirit of God, we're blameless, harmless, without rebuke, how? By holding forth the word of life. The local New Testament church, guys, is instructed as we are. To hold out the word of life, to hold forth the word of life, which is the bread of life. Satisfies the starving, satisfies the lost, satisfies the dead, the perverse, the lying, the lonely, the crooked, sinful people of this world today. That's what the word of life does. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12 says, That at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. What, what made the difference? The word of life. Remember, guys, what does this word of life do? What does what, 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 what it said about the word of life? Well, the word of life gives life. The word of life is alive. The word of life came from the life, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. It lives forever. It speaks of eternal life. And these are the five most, most precious truths regarding the living word of God. You know, the first institution that God ordained in the Garden of Eden was what? The family. Right? Let me ask you this question here. How did Lucifer, how did Satan, he wasn't Lucifer, he was Satan. How did he, in the form of a, gar, of, of a serpent, how did he, um, how did he destroy the family? How did he show up that day uh, to destroy the family? How did he do it? What was that? 
Lies. Lies about what? Exactly. He challenged the word of God, and it destroyed the family. Man, we, we see it today. And again, I, I don't want to, I'm not going to, guys, I'm not going to get on a, a, my, my drum on this, on my soapbox and bang the drum. But we see people today, good intentions, all this and that, and, and uses something that's not the Word of God. Let's just say what it is. Oh, but it's just one word. Oh, but, it, but it's just one small. Well, you know, I can read from the NIV, and I can get just as so much of a blessing out of it as I can the King James. I'm going to tell you verbatim, no, you can't. No. And if you think so, something's wrong in your head, and something's wrong in your heart. You say, well, preacher, I've never known anything different. I, okay, then fine. Come here, we'll educate you. We'll help you out. The word of life, guys, is what gives life. It's, it is alive. It came from the life. Jesus Christ, John 14, 6, I am the way, the life, and the truth. No man cometh to the Father but by me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Sorry. It lives forever. It speaks of eternal life. And this, th these are the things that the Apostle Paul is saying, holding forth the word of life. We are to hold it forth to be a guide uh, to our steps, to be a, a, a director in every step, every path that we make. We are to hold it forth as a lens to look through in our life today. We are to hold it forth to listen through so they may interpret that what we should be here and it should not be here. We are to, to look at it to what we should say, what we should not say, when we should say it, where we should say it, how we should say it. That's what we find, and that's how you're going to have the same mind, one with another. This is what Paul's telling us in Philippians 2. That you may be blameless, harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse uh, nation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life. I keep reading here in verse 16. It says, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ. Uh, Paul speaks of the day of Christ here. Specifically, he's stating that I may rejoice in the day of Christ. Too many guys, too many self-proclaimed Bible scholars have butchered the application of this portion of the verse or verses and continue to teach a, a false teaching within the churches. They, rather than studying to show themselves approved unto God, uh, they listen to what one man says and then they run with it. It's, guys, it's not talking about the second coming of the Lord. Just as Paul warned the Thessalonians in 2 Thessalonians 2, 2, uh, that to be not soon shaken in mind uh, or troubled and, uh, or, or be troubled neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us, as the day of Christ is at hand. He's not, this is not what that's referring to when we're looking at it right here. The day of Christ, guys, the day of Christ in this phrase, in this, this ideology, I'm sorry, in this one, is clearly dealing with the judgment seat of Christ, when the bride of Christ may make herself ready for the wedding day, where all saved souls, born-again believers, those who have been converted uh, by, by, by uh, the, the word of God, this word of life, can bear fruit this day and be judged accordingly. 1 Thessalonians 2.13. For this cause also we also thank we God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard of us, you received it not as uh, the word of men, but as in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. 
Guys, those who receive the word of life as it is truth, the word of God, which worketh also in you, this is the great, guys, this is the, the, the grave and terrible uh, problem with the translations today. This is the issue and the, the problem that we find. Not only uh, grammatically do they not make sense, but they, dis they disallow the chain reference of the King James Bible. And you can argue that point all you want to, but that point is, is futile to argue, argue. Look at Acts chapter 8, verse 35 through 38. Very clear. So what we have here, guys, this day of Christ, you look at the context rather than anything else, and you, uh, you study that and you understand it. Paul says, I want to rejoice in the day of Christ. Let me ask you a question. If Paul's day of Christ in Philippians 2 is the day of the Lord of 2 Thessalonians 2, all right, or the day of Christ, if those are the two of the, where is he, what's he rejoicing about? The destruction of millions upon millions upon millions of people? In the second coming of Jesus Christ? No. That I may rejoice. Go back there, verse 16. That I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. He is speaking about those who will give an, a, give a, 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 an account for what they have done based upon what he has done, built upon the foundation of Jesus Christ, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, at the judgment seat of Christ. The fruit that you'll be given an answer to. So those who have received the word of life as the truth, the word of God, which worketh also in you, that's verse 13, that is what Paul is referring to. That is what is important today. So when Paul says that I might rejoice in the day of Christ, this is what we learn. We learn, we learn four things, guys, we'll be finished this morning. We learn that the day of Christ will reveal Paul's work to its fullest. Look over there, if you will, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 with me. 1 Corinthians in chapter 3. It's time to turn. I've done work for you already. Now you do a little work this morning, warm your hands up. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 through 8. I know I mentioned it just a moment ago. 1 Corinthians 3, verses 5 through 8. The Bible says here, uh, Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom ye believe, even as the Lord gave to every man? I have planted Apollos water, but God gave the increase. So neither is he that planteth anything, neither uh, he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. So this day of Christ reveals Paul's work to the fullest, okay? To the fullest. That's what he's referring to there in Philippians chapter 2. Secondly, we find that the, uh, the genuineness, if you will, the genuineness of his ministry uh, will be apparent, will be apparent. Look over the next chapter there, 1 Corinthians 4 and verses 4 and 5. For I know nothing by myself, yet am I not hereby justified, but he that judgeth me of the Lord. Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts, and then shall every man have praise of God. All right, so the genuineness of his ministry. Thirdly, we find his converts, his converts will prove his own fidelity to the word of life. And if they prove faithful, he will rejoice in the day of Christ. That's verse 16 from Philippians 2. His converts will prove his own fidelity to the word of life. And if they prove faithful, he will rejoice in the day of Christ. And then fourthly, we find that converts refuse to hold the word of life. If they refuse to hold forth the word of life, 
there is a heartache and sorrow upon man who upon the man who tried to train them all right we'll see how many will profess Christ to be baptized yet barely dart the door of the church and this is a great heartache to the man of God who seeks to train them, teach them in the word of God so they may go forth and doing the same thing. Paul is concerned about running in vain. Paul is concerned about laboring in vain. Which two major figures of the ministry we find, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, is on the screen, who goeth to warfare at uh, any time at his own charge, who planteth a vineyard and eateth not of the fruit thereof, or who feedeth the flock and eateth not of the milk of the flock. Know ye not that they which run in a race uh, run all, but one receiveth the prize, so run that you may obtain. Guys, one of the things that we need to be concerned about today in holding the, the forth the word of life, is to encourage folk that when they are saved and born again, that they don't just uh, get saved, get baptized, and then never feed. They say a babe, uh, a babe for the rest of their life. But rather, they have this same mind that Paul speaks. And again, I know that we, we've looked at Philippians 2 kind of backwards. We've worked from the back end of the chapter to the front end, and now we're finishing up with the middle. But, but we're going back, still referring to the same context of the chapter that Paul's joy may be fulfilled. How is his joy fulfilled? That we be of the same mind, like-minded, and have the same love, being of one accord. That's that peace tied together with the Holy Spirit of God, having that one mind, that we do nothing in strife and vain glory, but with a lowliness of mind, esteeming others better than ourselves. But then we have this mind, verse 5, let this mind be in you. What mind? The mind that was lowly, esteeming others better than themselves, like-minded, having the same love, one accord, one of mine. What mind is that? That's the mind that Jesus Christ had when he was on this earth. And I realize a lot of this ties into what we're, we're you know, bringing on Sundays about the, the vision 2023, the legacy of living a life worth leaving to others today. I know that tie, it ties together in Philippians chapter 2. And I'll be frank with you, that's completely unintentional. But at the end of the day, this is what it's about. At the end of the day, guys, so I'm going to say this to you here this morning, then I'll be done. We're done with Philippians 2. We'll move on to something else next week. Check yourself. Where is the peace passeth all understanding? You miserable today? Are you just unhappy? Are you not rejoicing evermore? Are you not finding joy in your life? If you're not finding joy in your life, something's wrong. Something's off kilter. And I can promise you it's not the Holy Spirit of God, but rather what you're doing with the Holy Spirit of God. He leads us besides still. That doesn't mean we're not going to have problems in our life. Paul had plenty of problems. But in the midst of problems, in the midst of storms, in the midst of, of sieges, he said rejoice evermore. In the midst of dark days, in the midst of rain, in the midst of snow, in the midst of cold, you know what? He said rejoice evermore. In the midst, in the midst of these things, we are still to hold forth the word of life for those that are around us so they may come to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and they may get locked in, and they too hold forth the word of life. Will you bow your heads this morning? Father, again, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for this midweek service. We pray you bless this uh, message to the hearts of the hearers. And Lord, I pray that we would take it on board. And Lord, as you, and you're beginning to work, and I know at least in my life on this lesson of the Holy Spirit, I pray, uh, Lord, that we would be mindful that he is the comforter. And let us think about what a comforter does, dear God. Let us think about 
his intentions, his purpose here to lead God and direct us, to bear witness, to convict us, and to comfort us. And I pray that we be willing to take it on board, that we sear not our conscience with a hot iron, that, Lord God in heaven, that we would be mindful that when chaos is present, the Holy Spirit is not leading. I do love you, and I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I hope and pray the preaching, teaching, the word of God, the blessing of your heart. Guys, we're dismissed, obviously, for our midweek service.